Hey girlfriend, it's Victoria, the creator of The Naked News, where I uncover the truth about women's health and happiness with nerdy honesty and frequent laughter, and today, chia seeds. So let's face it, talking about poop is awkward, private, embarrassing, some would even say bad manners. It's one of those subjects that falls into the taboo category related to bodily functions and fluids like sex and menstruation. But here's the thing. All of these, and others not mentioned here, are part of a healthy, normal, long life. And it's not exactly a competition, but if it was, poop arguably would top the list because if you don't go, you won't live very long. But it's actually even bigger than that because the quality of your poop can tell you something about your health and being regular affects your quality of life on a daily basis. So in the last few episodes of The Naked News, we've been talking about how gut health affects everything from your mental health to your immune system. And how often you go is definitely related to your gut health. So if you want to understand the vital role your gut microbiome plays in total elimination, check out the last two episodes entitled How Gut Health Affects Everything, Everywhere, All the Time. In today's episode called Total Elimination, Facts and Hacks for the Poop Life of Your Dreams, we're focused on how to set yourself up for success when it comes to what I call your poop life. And while some of what you're going to discover today may seem like common sense, other stuff's going to fall into a category that I call the unbelievable shit nobody teaches you and another I've named poop hacks. Look, I believe you deserve to have the very best life, and that includes rock star regularity. Ready, set, let's go find out what it takes to go. Hey, it's Victoria here, and I have a somewhat personal question for you. Are you 45 or older? Do you know someone who is? If you answered yes to either of these questions, I have the perfect gift for you or your loved one. It's thoughtful, funny, and original. Because nothing says you care and I got your back like the Naked Librarian's Guide to Your First Colonoscopy, an activity book for grown-ups. The American Cancer Society's guidelines move the colonoscopy age from 50 to 45 years old, so if you haven't scheduled yours, now's the time. This activity book is the companion experience to colonoscopy, with 10 fun-filled activities and loads of hilarious trivia to keep you entertained while you count down from limited diet to final purge. There's even a colon maze you can do while you're waiting for the nurse to call you back for your procedure. Now, the activity book isn't out yet, so you got to hold your horses just a little longer. We're wrapping up production soon, and I'll let you know as soon as it's available to order from Amazon. In the meantime, make your list of friends and family you want to delight with this rare and exciting gift. And as we say over at The Naked Librarian, bottoms up. Early this summer, I went camping with my husband Kyle and his son Wyatt. We had a marvelous time staying three nights at a semi-remote lake in Oregon's Willamette Forest, sleeping under the stars, hiking in the ancient forest with the dogs, and fishing from our inflatable pontoon boat. I even caught a couple of fish. 
Something I love about camping with Kyle is he completely embraces my need to eat in the way I want. And as a health nerd, that's just worth its weight in gold to have someone believe in this way of eating and support it, even if that's not the way they want to eat. And so we planned our meals this way. Kyle and Wyatt had hot dogs and ribs and chips, and I had my own cooler of berries, yogurt, quinoa salad, and a half dozen vegetables. I ate great every day. I got a reasonable amount of physical activity and rest. I had lots of downtime for reading, and I only ate one s'more, which is about one more than I usually eat. S'mores taste delicious, but they generally make me feel gross, so over time, I've just learned to avoid them. I did so many things right. Still, for the last two days and two nights, I struggled to go. And over the course of my stay, this really affected my happiness. I was uncomfortable and bloated and frankly, mystified. How could I eat all that fiber and probiotic foods and still miss my morning BM? Despite all my efforts, I was pretty sure I knew what was wrong. You see, the campground where we stayed had pit toilets, which if you don't camp very much, think of them as glorified porta-potties. When the company comes to clean them, they're pumping from a hole way down in the ground a few feet from your bum, so that part's better. But the part where people go there day and night and you catch the scent of it on your short hike to the restrooms makes it a place where you want to get in and get out. I just couldn't seem to relax and go as I crouched from the commode and held my nose. When we got back, I started researching this topic in earnest because it's not like this was a new problem for me. I have this issue sometimes, whether it's a tent, cabin, or hotel. And from talking with my girlfriends, I know I'm not alone. So one of the things I learned is something we're going to cover in today's episode. Because in addition to a high-fiber diet, hydration, exercise, and a few other things that help you go number two, your body can't poop unless it's literally in the rest and digest state. In other words, your brain can't signal your body to relax and let go if you're feeling uptight. So I did some inner work and I realized that for me, having limited access to a bathroom, a less than desirable toilet, having other people in or waiting for me to exit the bathroom, much less, let's face it, stinking up a bathroom, were all factors giving me poopsiety. So you know how serendipity works. As I was learning all about the need for your body to be in what's called a parasympathetic state and to do what gastroenterologists affectionately call evacuation, Kyle and I had another trip to take. Now this time we would be staying in a very nice hotel in Salt Lake City so Kyle could attend a professional conference. And so as I thought about this trip, I knew that getting into that coveted parasympathetic state at the hotel would be a challenge. That's because even though I was raised in a hippie, make love, not war, pro poop talk family, Kyle was raised with parents that he's described as having very Midwestern values around all things private and polite. And thus, we had been together for over seven years, but mostly pretended like neither of us ever pooped. One of us would just slip away, turn on the fan, and reappear relaxed, and that was as much over-communication we had on the subject of bowel movements. And that's how I knew. If I was going to really have a shot at a great vacation, which for me includes going number two every single day, I had to upgrade pooping from a secret to what it is, a normal part of life. Now, you've heard of a pep talk. Well, sometimes to have the life you want, you have to look someone you love in the eye and have the poop talk. And so I packed my parcel of chia seeds in my suitcase, more on this later, 
and decided to broach the subject on the first night, which was very fortuitous because the layout of the hotel room had situated a very large king bed about two feet from a barn-like door that led to the bathroom. That way, one person can do what my sons call drop it like it's hot, and the other person can just relax in bed. We were on our way to a meet and greet, and I was all dressed up and feeling pretty cute, my dress short and high heels. I had my arm looped around Kyle's elbow, and we were just strutting down Main Street when I squeezed Kyle's arm and blurted, hey, real quick, I need you to know that on this trip, I have to prioritize my need to poop. Now, Kyle makes a certain face when he's shocked and looked at me like, please make it stop. And so I made the whole thing rather brief. But I did explain what I was learning about stress and the ability to, you know, go. And I may have also defined parasympathetic state before providing my closing argument. And it sounded like this. And so I'm telling you because I just need the whole thing to not be a secret. Like sometimes I just need to poop, okay? Kyle was quiet the whole time, which was fine. I had acknowledged early that it was going to be an uncomfortable topic. When there was finally silence, he said, good talk which I have learned from Kyle usually means I hate this topic. And because I've been to lots of therapy, I responded, honey, I need more than that. And so he gave me a hug and validated that I had been very vulnerable, that he understood and politely asked if we could just call it good. And you know what? That was plenty for me. So I'm telling you this story because I didn't expect that just getting this topic out in the open would change things as dramatically as they did because when I travel, this is usually an ongoing problem for me. But you know what's crazy? By getting our taboo topic out in the open, I actually found that my ability to relax on this trip and go when I needed to go all worked out. Every single day with astounding regularity, I met and exceeded evacuation standards and enjoyed myself like only a woman with true gut motility can. You are probably in a relationship where talking about poop is no big deal. I hope so. In fact, I'm now one of you. But what about when you travel and share a bathroom with other people? Some estimates have found that 40% of people struggle to go number two when they're away from home. Health experts even have a name for it. And no, it's not poop anxiety. although I really like this term that I have created. It's actually called travel constipation. And what about when you're home and you're not regular? A lot of us have tried to troubleshoot this issue. And sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but there's a reason why our grandparents loved their prunes and prune juice. Having regular BMs gets harder as we get older. See what I did there? In a few minutes, we are going to get into some poop hacks. But first, let's review some poop facts. Because you know what they say, the more you know, the more you know. All right, so let's get into how you can know your shit with some common sense poop facts. So you probably know that how often you go is an indicator of bowel transit time and how long food actually stays in your body. I mean, that just makes sense. And you probably know when something is off in your poop life because things come out too loose or too hard or not at all. According to medical professionals, a typical healthy poop is brown, well-formed, sausage-shaped, uniformed, and thick. 
it should also feel fairly easy to go. Will Bullswitch, a Charleston, South Carolina-based gastroenterologist and the author of the Fiber-Fueled Cookbook, also called The Gut Health MD on Instagram, says that most people go once or twice a day and it's pretty common to go in the morning. Now, your routine may be very different, or maybe you're one of the 60 to 70 million Americans who struggle with digestive issues or gastrointestinal illness, according to the American Gastrointestinal Association, also called AGA. Last year, the AGA Institute began a campaign called Trust Your Gut to normalize talking about what they call bowel symptoms with your healthcare provider early in order to shorten the time between the onset of a problem and a significant disruption in your daily life or the diagnosis of disease. How do you know if you have a problem? Let's do a little gut check with three questions from the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases. The first one is, do you have fewer than three bowel movements per week? Number two, are your stools hard or dry and difficult to pass? And number three, do you feel like there's more stool you'd like to eliminate but can't? These would all be good reasons to talk to your doctor and one of the most important reasons to have this conversation is if you're having discomfort, according to Kenneth Brown, a gastroenterologist in Plano, Texas, and the host of the Gut Check Project podcast. And while some bowel disruptions are due to changes in diet, routine, or environment, you don't want to wait too long because some of the problems can lead to more serious issues. Constipation in particular, according to Stanford Medicine Healthcare, can create the following problems. Hemorrhoids rectal bleeding, anal fissure, which is a small tear of the anus, fecal impactation, in other words, it's a hard dry stool that cannot be passed, and rectal prolapse, when the large intestines pushes out of the rectum. By the way, if you're dealing with hemorrhoids, which affect up to 50% of men and women, I am working to bring you some bonus content that includes an interview with an amazing doctor based in Oregon who does non-surgical treatments that can restore your bottom to feeling like you are a teenager again. So stay tuned for that. All right, so back to those facts. So before we move on to some BM science, allow me to summarize what a healthy poop life looks like. You go once or twice a day. You go without discomfort, and you feel like you've had a complete bowel movement. Of course, please discuss any concerns you have with your doctor. This list is not exhaustive, and I am a health nerd, not a medical professional. Now that we have a baseline, let's keep going. Because if you want a happy belly and a winning poop routine, there's a few more things you got to know. Hey girlfriend, it's me, Victoria, the creator of The Naked Librarian. I hope you're feeling smarter from this episode. And speaking of smarts, do you know someone who is applying to college next year? You may not know this, but as much as I love what I do here at The Naked News, I didn't always write about women's health and happiness. You see, for a long time, let's just call it 20 years, I helped other people write and tell stories. I was lucky enough to start teaching writers in grad school like way before I even knew what I was doing. And then I went all big time and taught at the University of Portland for 16 years where I specialized in composition theory, which is how to write, and personal nonfiction, how to write about your life. This knack eventually turned into an entrepreneurial itch, which turned into a book. And that's the short version of how I left academia for good. I still work with college-bound students who want help writing a remarkable admissions essay. I love doing it. 
but it's pretty labor intensive and not a lot of families can afford it. So that's why I wrote a book and created a course that shows students how to write a standout essay and my favorite, become a better writer before college. The class is on demand and includes video coaching lessons to take students from topic to finish essay, resources for parents and students, bonus coaching on writing supplemental and scholarship essays, and over 50 example essays from my students who've won hundreds of thousands of scholarship dollars and been accepted into top schools around the country. The course is also super affordable, which I worked very hard to do. If you know a college-bound student, send them over to victoriapayne.com slash write-big, where they can learn more about Write Big 101 and watch my free training, Five Storytelling Strategies to Write Your Best College Application Essay. And if you're looking for a smart and thoughtful gift for your favorite high school student, you can find my book, Write Big, From College Application Essay to Storytelling Standout on Amazon. On. I would absolutely love your help getting these resources into the hands of more deserving high school students and their families. So we're moving on to how you too can be a wise ass because there's a lot of shit they didn't teach you in school. Now, back when I took science in high school, we spent less than a few weeks covering digestion, and that was mainly to learn the body parts for a test. A lot has changed in 30 years, and one of the big revelations is our understanding of gut health. And I'm going to keep this part brief because those other episodes go into this topic and do a real deep dive. But here's what I want you to know for today. Your gut health is more than the quality of food you put in your body, although that's one of the big ones. It's actually about the quality of good bacteria you have in your gut. As we discussed in those other episodes, plant diversity and probiotic foods are really important when it comes to a healthy gut microbiome. So... One of the first ways you can address your poop life is to focus on your diet. We'll get into some particulars in the poop hack section, but I wanted to plug gut health here because it's really the foundation for improving your regularity. Another very important aspect that affects your ability to go number two with regularity and ease is ensuring your body is in that parasympathetic state. We talked a little bit about this in an earlier episode with holistic health coach Jen Robinson, where she reminds us to slow down take small bites, and focus on our breathing throughout the day. That way, you're setting yourself up for great digestion. So what exactly is a parasympathetic state? In short, it's your nervous system's ability to rest and relax. In fact, your parasympathetic nervous system is responsible for not just digestion, but also sexual arousal, salivation, lacrimation, which is the production of tears, urination, and today's special topic, defecation. Now, here's a little fun fact interruption. The sympathetic nervous system drives your fight or flight response in stressful situations. And the parasympathetic state is the one that helps you rest and relax. So just, you know, something for trivia night. So what actually helps you get into a parasympathetic system? Turns out it's mild exercise, meditation, yoga, deep breathing from your diaphragm, or even getting out in nature and walking around. So is anyone else thinking about how much stress you have in your life right now? Like maybe your bathroom habits are being affected by deadlines, juggling your family's schedule, high stakes personal or work projects, family problems, teenage drama, existential crisis, anybody? So some of this stuff is just circumstantial. And when you're in the throes of a stressful work project, or caring for a loved one dealing with a health crisis, there's not a lot you can do to change that. 
but you can do more to help your parasympathetic nervous system do its job, even if that's just learning how to breathe from your diaphragm or get some fresh air. So speaking of things they don't teach you in school, I only really learned what deep breathing means a few years ago, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit this because I had been doing belly breaths and yoga, but somehow I did not get the memo that when someone says to take a deep breath and relax, you're not just supposed to suck in a bunch of air and blow it out. It's a story for another day, but I actually was able to use diaphragmatic breathing to reduce and practically eliminate chest pain and tightness that I was dealing with during a period of acute stress. And don't worry, I had my heart checked out and I did some other tests to make sure I understood what was going on. But it was so surprising that the simple breathing technique turned out to be the thing that worked. And I really believe it's a game changer. And that's why I'm including it in this episode today. And this is how it works according to Harvard Medical School. First, you're going to lie on your back on a flat surface or in a bed with your knees bent. You can use a pillow under your head or your knees for support. Then you're going to place one hand on your upper chest and the other on your belly just below your ribcage. Breathe in slowly through your nose, letting the air in deeply toward your lower belly. So like this. And what's going to happen is that hand on your chest is going to be still while the one on your belly rises. And then you're going to feel the tightening of your abdominal muscles and you're going to let them fall inward as you exhale through pursed lips. The hand on your belly should move down to its original position as you go through this whole process. You can do this sitting up with your knees bent or your body relaxed. And for best results, you want to do this 5 to 10 minutes off and on daily and see how you feel. Now, an interesting little note here, my wonderful chiropractor who's also become my friend, Dr. Amy Lennon, she and I talked about this and she said that one of the reasons that diaphragmatic breathing can be hard for women is that we have culturally been taught to suck our bellies in. And so this process actually has you push your belly out And so it may feel a little counterintuitive to you when you try it for the first time. I just love how something as simple as breathing can be a treatment for a lot of wellness issues, especially when it comes to stress management, and I know we're all dealing with it. So you might not think of traveling to an exciting or sunny place as anxiety producing or even camping, which puts you in nature's abundance, as stressful, and for the most part, they're not. But when it comes to your bathroom habits and the disruption of your routines, your body can get a little out of whack and it's much harder to get into that parasympathetic state. So this last section is dedicated to poop hacks, but I believe that promoting your body's parasympathetic state is probably the ultimate poop hack. For me, it's been the biggest paradigm shift. All right, this last bit is dedicating to us learning to play both offense and defense when it comes to staying regular on the road or at home. So we're wrapping it up here with poop hacks for every body. So the number one is to eat more plants. Most people struggle to eat enough dietary fiber when they travel, much less in their regular diet. Eating out, having food prepared for you by friends or family, or just having less access to your favorite grocery store when you're away from home is going to affect how you eat. 
Something you can focus on whether you're at home or traveling to help your poop goals is loading up on fiber-rich foods. These include all manner of vegetables and fruits, especially your leafy greens and certain fruits like figs and berries, whole grains like brown rice and quinoa, all types of legumes like black beans, chickpeas, or pinto beans, and nuts and seeds. Almonds, hazelnuts, and mixed tree nuts are tops in fiber, and seeds like chia, pumpkin, or sunflower pack as much as 10 to 12 grams of fiber for two tablespoons. And once you start studying to fiber, you're going to realize that is a lot for a little amount of food. Now, here's an interesting note. Prunes contain only one gram of fiber per prune. So if you're looking to increase your fiber intake, you may want to look beyond this food, which has been heavily marketed for digestive benefits, but there really are other foods that have way more fiber than that. Now, there's a ton of great resources related to high fiber foods, and I will include some in the show notes of this episode. But when it comes to eating more plants specifically to improve elimination, there are a few foods I have personally added into my diet and found remarkable benefits. So I'm going to tell you about three of Victoria's favorites here because I think that they're pretty awesome and everyone should know about them. So the first one is flax seeds. Over the years, I've used many forms of flaxseed from flax oil to ground flax to whole seeds. But one of the best forms I found is in the form of crackers made from flax. So far, I haven't had a lot of success making them myself, so I found a brand, and it's called Flackers, and you can find them in places like Whole Foods or on Amazon, and probably also in your favorite grocery store. They come in a variety of flavors, but what makes them different from other whole grain crackers that contain flax is they're made from just flaxseed, apple cider vinegar, and salt. And they contain 9 grams of fiber for 10 crackers. Have them with some high-quality hummus, and you're looking at about 11 grams of fiber for a snack. Okay, so number two is chia seeds. And just, I need to give you a disclaimer, because I am a little obsessed with chia seeds. I first learned about chia seeds as a travel tool for regularity from a nutritionist who swore by packing them on all of her trips. All you have to do is take one to two tablespoons and let them sit in a large glass of water for a few minutes, then shake or stir and drink it all down. Not the most appetizing way to enjoy chia seeds, but the idea is to deliver 10 grams of fiber to your digestive system fast and let it do the work. I also really like following the doctor I was telling you about earlier at the Gut Health MD, Dr. B on Instagram. And he did a great video about a viral trend called the internal shower. And I'll also put it in the show notes. And basically the internal shower is what I just described above where you put the chia seeds in water and you stir it up really good or you shake it up or maybe even put it in a blender. The difference is apparently internal shower is an internet trend that other people knew about. I didn't, but you're welcome to call it that. So Dr. B affirms that drinking your chia seeds is a great way to increase your dietary fiber and that it's been shown to improve bowel movements. And this is just a little note of my own. If you listen to my other episodes, my therapist is also called Dr. B. So not to confuse you, they are not the same person, but uh, Dr. B on Instagram, the Gut Health MD, uh, definitely follow him. He has a little bit more fame than my amazing therapist, although I think 
my Dr. B should be very famous as well. So what's got me all crazy for ch-ch-ch-chia, remember that commercial? <laughs> Is making my own chia pudding trifle. I eat this religiously every day for a snack or dessert and it honestly could not be easier to make. You just soak chia seeds overnight in milk or non-dairy milk and add a little natural sweetener. I make my own cashew milk and I put a little bit of maple syrup in there to make it sweet. And you can do that too. You could use honey or agave. And what happens is when you keep it in your refrigerator overnight, it turns into a creamy, slightly sweet pudding. And then what I do is I layer it like a trifle with a plain yogurt that I've sweetened just a little bit with maple or honey and berries or some other high fiber fruit. And I just discovered this amazing almond cinnamon maca butter that is just so delicious. I, I went onto this company's website and bought a, a bunch more of theirs because they were so good. And now I've been using it almost like a topping. So it's sort of becoming like a sundae. So this is a fabulous way to get your chia seeds and to enjoy dessert at night, which is how I've mainly been doing it lately. So it's way better eating your chia seeds this way, but I get it when you're traveling, you, you can't always make chia pudding unless you're a weirdo like me and you bring your cooler to your father-in-law's house with a fresh batch of chia pudding for your nighttime ritual and if you make enough you can share curtis my father-in-law even tried it and gave me a big thumbs up so this last one number three of the victoria hacks is green kiwi so i only recently started hearing about the beneficial effects of eating green kiwi kiwi is not only high in fiber with two grams in each fruit but it also contains an enzyme called actinidin, which facilitates the breakdown of protein. If you've been focusing on eating more protein, you definitely want to know about kiwi. So Dr. B, the gut health MD, he's kind of the guru of this. He recommends eating two to three green kiwi per day. And just so you know, I created my own little experiment a couple of weeks ago ago, which I am want to always do. And I have been eating roughly two green kiwi a day. I, I found some bigger kiwis, so now I'm just eating one. And I love the benefits and think they've been contributing to several weeks of digestive bliss. Dr. B also recommends kiwi for flatulence and bloating. And that's really cool to know about because if you're not fully evacuating when you go, kiwi can help you with both regularity and treating any symptoms if you're not going enough. All right, so back to the official poop hack list. This one is number two, and I call it, you've got to move it, move it. It's hard enough to get more movement when you're at home or working throughout the week. I mean, I've been sitting down for the last three hours every day for about a week working on this episode, knowing that I needed to take a break and to go for a walk. It's so easy to get caught up and just stay put. And when we travel, it can be even harder to maintain a workout routine, especially if you're someone who runs with a friend, me, or likes group classes, me. And this all kicks off with travel itself because you have to sit for hours at a time. And I know hotels have gyms and maybe your parents' house probably has a sidewalk or some trails. But if you're like a lot of people, when you travel and it's not built around an active vacation like hiking or lots of walking or some other kind of planned movement, it's really hard to get enough. So it's easy to get into that vacation mode and just plan on catching your workouts on the flip side. 
And by the way, there's absolutely nothing wrong with chilling out and taking it easy on vacation. I hope you do that. I recommend that you relax. But I got to tell you this part or I wouldn't be doing my job. When you don't move enough and when you eat more rich food or drink more sugary drinks or alcohol, this affects your bowel movements. And exercise has been scientifically proven to help with constipation. Now, Bethany Dorthfler a gastrointestinal research specialist with the Northwestern Medicine Digestive Health Center in Chicago, says that we don't actually know how exercise improves bowel movements. We just know that it does. So one theory that I thought was interesting is that movement works on both a mechanical and a chemical level, meaning that the body experiences physical pressure, even twisting of the intestines, in addition to increasing blood flow to the intestines during exercise. Also, digestive enzymes and hormones are known to be released during physical activity. So how vigorous should your movement be? While just 30 minutes of light cardio a day has been shown to support gut motility, exercises that twist or jostle the body provide additional benefits. If you're traveling, light jogging is a great way to get your heart rate up and help move food through your body. It also jostles your organs, which literally moves things along. As long as your goal is better valve movements versus a new PR on race day, a little running is something to try when you're troubleshooting constipation. Core exercises have also been shown to help with regularity. Your core muscles play an important role in gastrointestinal motility, and core contractions and exercises like crunches and plank increase pressure and help your food move through your digestive system. And lastly, yoga has been shown to provide benefits because it supports both a rest and digest state and includes postures that put pressure on your organs. Some recommended yoga postures include cobra, child's pose, and supine twist. All right, hack number three, more water, less wine. Hydration has so many health benefits, and wouldn't you know that regularity is one of them? When it comes to travel, or let's face it, a rough week at work, we may be leaning on other beverages to get us by. Whether that's sugary coffee drinks, soda, or alcohol, we often drink less water when we're leaning too hard on these other beverages. Alcohol in particular can have negative effects on gastrointestinal motility. In addition to hurting your overall water intake, it also causes gastritis, which disrupts the production of mucus in the intestines and often manifests as diarrhea. It also causes inflammation because the body struggles to process all the sugar in the alcohol. Any type of alcohol can cause bloating, but beer is a known culprit. So if you drink alcohol at home or on vacation, the advice is more than drink in moderation. It's to consider less sugary options and make sure you're drinking plenty of water. How much water should you drink? Now, this may vary from person to person and factors like your activity level, the temperature outside, even your body size may play a role in finding the right number. According to the National Academy of Medicine, it's suggested that women drink about 91 ounces of fluids every day, while men should aim for 125 ounces. So it's a little bit more than the eight cups of water that we often hear about. By the way, that number includes not just beverages, but also water-rich foods like fruits, veggies, and soups. And since the average ratio of fluids to foods is roughly 80 to 20, then it kind of breaks down to about nine cups a day for women and about 12 and a half cups for men. You can also find other calculations that recommend drinking a half ounce to one ounce of water per pound. 
I'm not going to do the math for you here, but for me, that's going to go beyond eight cups of water. And I give you this little water update here because it can really range with how much water is right for you. And it is a good question to talk to your doctor about and get some advice there. So here's a fascinating fact alert. Studies have shown that limited water consumption ages your body faster, increases your risk of developing chronic disease, and may even shorten your lifespan by as much as 15 years. Specifically, one study found that less hydration corresponds with higher levels of serum sodium in mice and observed that higher levels of serum sodium in humans came with a 64% higher risk for developing age-related chronic diseases such as heart failure, stroke, atrial fibrillation, peripheral artery disease, chronic lung disease, diabetes, and dementia. So for people who really care about their health like me and who struggle to drink enough water like me, this news really got my attention. It also shines a spotlight on the priority for clean, accessible water for people all over the world. So as we wrap up here, I just wanted to include two questions that I sometimes get on this topic and, um, and then we're out. So what about fiber supplements? At some point in your life, you may have taken psyllium husk, Metamucil, or some other fiber supplement. Most health experts agree that it's better to get your fiber from food than supplements, but alas, sometimes you just need that fiber boost, especially if you're away from home. The internal shower we talked about earlier, the chia seed and water concoction, is more of a whole foods approach to a supplement. But if you're looking for something more portable, here are some ideas. Be advised that every person responds differently to fiber supplements, and you may have to try a few to find what's right for you. Best practice is to drink an extra large glass of water with your supplement and start slowly to avoid gas and bloating. As always, talk to your doctor about taking supplements for constipation so that you're not overlooking any other important health concern. So it turns out you can spell fiber in a lot of complicated ways. And here's a list for you. Arabinoxalan, inulin, methylcellulose, and polycarbophil are just a few names for dietary fiber. Stanford researchers look into the effects of arabinoxalan and inulin. Arabinoxalan is found in psyllium husk and metamucil, and inulin is a common ingredient found in quote-unquote diet food. So food that is intended to maybe have a little bit less calories, the inulin is in there to make you feel fuller. Researchers found that arabinoxalan can reduce bad cholesterol, definitely a bonus, but too much inulin can increase inflammation. Other dietary fiber supplements include methylcellulose, which is better known as citrusel, and that helps soften and bulk up stool. Polycarbophil is another popular choice that can treat constipation and irregular bowel movements without the discomfort of gas or bloating, according to their branding. So other brand names include Fibercon, Fiberlax, Equilactin and Mitralan. Okay, so second question, do you need probiotic supplements? And the answer is maybe. So the advice to get your good bugs from foods instead of supplements still remains the gold standard. And just a little reminder here, probiotic foods include yogurt, raw and unpasteurized cheeses like aged cheddar, Parmesan, and some Swiss cheeses. It's also sauerkraut, kefir, kimchi, kombucha, and miso. I go into more probiotic and prebiotic foods in those episodes on gut health I was telling you about. So if you want kind of a fuller list, 
you can listen to that after this. So health experts recommend probiotics as a treatment or a preventative for constipation. So if you're traveling, they can be something that's really helpful for you. There's a ton of probiotic supplements on the market, so you want to do some research here. Some basic guidelines include a probiotic with at least 1 billion colony-forming units that contain lactobacillus, bifo, bacterium, bacillus, or saccharomyces boulardii. This is just so fun to say. These are all pretty much Latin terms. You also want to pay attention to how your probiotics should be stored, since some require refrigeration, which won't work well for traveling, unless you opt for that health nerd cooler I mentioned earlier. So definitely, again, check with your doctor or naturopath. They may even have a recommended probiotic that they feel like is right for you. So as I finish today, I just want to tell you I believe your best poop life awaits. And I know, I've hit you with a lot of information. And if you want to break down, make sure to check the show notes and for the transcript of today. Now, information overload has certainly been known to raise your cortisol levels, which isn't good. And since I want you to have the poop life of your dreams, take a few minutes to breathe and to listen to the upbeat tunes we've curated for you at the end of the show before jumping back into your day. Maybe nod your head and wiggle around a bit because while there's no scientific research on the specific effects of music and dancing on regularity, I have a hunch that the feel-good chemicals that get released and the body jostles that ensue from a dance party make it another one of those helpers. So relax. Take some belly breaths, maybe do a little Roger Rabbit or the snake, and tell your body thank you for how hard it works on your behalf. And rejoice, because poop is life. I hope you've enjoyed this production of The Naked News. Everything created here is for educational and entertainment purposes and should not take the place of talking with a medical or mental health professional. If I talked about something today and you thought, you know what, I need to go get that checked out, I say go for it, don't wait, make that appointment today. And remember to visit us over at nakedlibrarian.com slash nakedlibrary to learn more from any of the awesome authors you heard from today. I'm going to put Dr. B's fiber-fueled cookbook over there, and you can also find my book right big and soon my colonoscopy book so thanks so much for listening today you're amazing and here's to living your very best life Come on, we must have one.